Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L-I-V by Advantia. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Buses. The great one, Doug Tonus and I, head out onto the highways of Illinois with the Big Red, newly painted bus. How you doing, brother? It's an exciting time, huh? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm happy to see that the description of the bus has shrunk with each episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, we, can, we can eliminate the, the the description going forward. You know, just just kind of get right into the oh, good stuff. I thought you meant that the actual bus had shrunk. You mean you mean no, as I no, describe the, the actual the bus vehicle. is just as full, but you didn't spend five minutes describing how amazing it looked <laughs> well, or how dilapidated, depending just, on, on the day. You just wrote your future. I'm going to spend a good <laughs> ten minutes on the next one. <laughs> Finally, the season is done, uh, and what a season it was! And uh, big surprise, the Warriors win it all. Uh, let's get your thoughts immediately, just on, on on that whole final series. I'd love to hear what you thought about you know the sweep for the Warriors. Well, not much. I mean, we all knew going into it that the Western Conference Finals was the real finals, and as much as people want to complain about that and think, you know, it sucks that Golden State is so great and no one can beat them, I mean, if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they probably, maybe not probably, but I think they maybe lose. So uh, I think it's closer than people think, and this is, you know, similar to the Lakers-Kings days when you go back uh, that far when it was just the Lakers and Kings would play in the Western Conference Finals, and whoever got there was going to, clearly win uh the, you know the two best teams and uh we're just kind of in that same situation so the finals to me wasn't even remotely interesting whatsoever and uh you know but I, I still thought it was a fun season what about the the next topic at hand which everyone's discussing what do you what do you you know betting today what do you feel the future of lebron james is is he going to remain in cleveland or do you think it'll be somewhere else it's, uh, yeah, i bet somewhere else i mean lebron you know historically it goes to where he has the most talent right so uh, it would it would be stupid to bet against that. The the couple times in his career where he was, you know, a free agent and was was thinking about doing such a thing, uh, he left. So I assume that will be his his stance this time, and that he'll see what he can swing and, and what they can make happen. I would be very surprised if if he is in Cleveland. I agree. I mean, and I think the the, the fan base should be somewhat a little bit more sympathetic, and if they're not, pound sand. I mean, you won them a title, that's all, as he promised, and, and if they don't, if they're not smart enough to understand that this guy is, you know, his career is being defined by how many more titles he wins, then, you know, they, you can forget them. He's got to go to another team. Along those lines, I had a, I had a poll this week on from at uh, CBE Fred on Twitter, and uh, I was kind of surprised at the results of the poll, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. So the, the the poll was, assuming we could sign one of the following players below, what player would you prefer that the Bulls sign to a max deal? Uh, and, the, and the options were LeBron James, Paul George, Clay Thompson, or Jimmy uh, Clay Thompson in 2019, and Jimmy Butler in 2019. Did you see this poll? And what what, what would you have picked? I, I did not see the poll, uh, but uh, I, I guess I would 
little tricky for me, but I think you have to go with LeBron James and Clay Thompson a very close second. Yeah, and yeah. I, I might even say Clay Thompson first. I, I mean, I could get why someone would say that. You know, you would say with LeBron James, we still don't have enough to win. He's thirty-three. You know, it's probably not going to have enough to win before he retires. And with Clay Thompson, you weaken the Warriors, who are the team you can't beat, uh, and drastically weaken them. And then you've got like a, a longer amount of time that you can compete. All right, I talked myself out of it. I'm going to go with Clay Thompson instead. No, how dare you? No, I, I don't. I think the answer is clearly LeBron James. I mean, if, if it's about winning the East, what player has it's done more? It's not about winning the East. It's about winning a title. I don't care if we win the East. Well, you're not going to win a title with Clay Thompson. Do you, th- do you actually think Clay Thompson is going to bring you closer to a title than LeBron James? Uh, under the current context of weakening the Warriors and oh, I see. Uh, having the amount of time uh, that you have in his career path left to be a legitimate contender, yes. I think Clay Thompson will get you closer to winning a title than LeBron James. Not because he's anywhere near the player. LeBron's clearly a much better player than Clay Thompson is. Uh, but LeBron also has fewer years left, and he's going to be declining in his greatness each of those years. And he, he just, we're just not good enough. I mean, like you need more time. I mean, you're probably already to strike in like four years. Uh, Let me counter. Now. Let me, you know, he's not yeah. going to be ready to strike in two years. Let me throw some other. Do you feel that the Bulls today – uh, are better than the Cleveland Cavaliers sans LeBron James? Maybe, maybe not. I think. I mean, today, really today, are. right now, Kevin Love is still better than our best player today. Barely. And and George Hill is probably better than our second best player today. I mean, it's like we have a lot yeah. of hope that these guys will get better, but right now, uh, I, I think probably their cast would still be better than our cast. Oh, I. I can't tell and, you how much cer- I disagree. Certainly, he'd have no chance of winning the title with his cast in Cleveland. No, and we aren't markedly better than them. Yeah. And we're not markedly better. I mean, if anything, maybe you want to say we're 2% better. It's not anywhere near better enough <laughs> to win. So, not yet. No, it's just yeah, not, but not a cast. And we don't fit. We don't fit next to him either. So, oh, come on. No, I, I, I don't think we'd have any chance of winning a title with LeBron in the next two years. And if I had to go three years out, I, I just would question... Uh, what kind of LeBron you're going to get when he's, you know, 35, 36, 37. Well, you know, the, it might, me, might be okay, yeah. might not be. Let me jump in here. First of all, I, I say right now I think Laurie Markkinen is probably as good as, as, as Kevin Love. He's really close. It's really close. It's a toss-up. You want to say Love's a little bit better, yeah. But throw in everything else, big picture with his propensity, Love's propensity to get hurt every five minutes and – and, you know, I, I think most people would say Markkinen's right there and probably... Just an Iron Man, didn't have back problems multiple times in his rookie year. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not serious where he had to go under the knife. Those were all muscular. Come on, we all know. I, I, I understand what you're trying to say. I'll, let's give, we'll give it to Love. Dunn is one of the best... He's a better perimeter defender than anyone on that Cleveland team. Anyone besides LeBron. And he's the point guard. Then you got Levine at shooting guard. And then you throw LeBron at the three... You got Laurie Levine, and Lopez. Levine and Dunn statistically last year were both wretched. They're both oh, yeah, terrible. It's all one no, of those no, things no. where you look at them and you see the bright side and you see the hope and you hope they get better. But at their current state, their current level of play, if you go look at their advanced metrics, Levine was one of the worst shooting guards in the NBA and Dunn was not a starting caliber point guard. He and was they defensively. Don't have experience. He was they don't defensively. have experience. They don't have playoff experience. Uh, it just 
No, it's just not. Like I said, I don't think they're a better team. I there's just no, don't. There's not the an advanced metric like tw- that tells you that Dunn is not games. a good player. He's a fantastic defensive player. I understand what you're saying that there, you know, offensively the metrics there aren't aren't really there yet, and that's fine. <laughs> you don't terrible. need them. You don't but need even, them. Even even not that. Just as like on off numbers, his RPM, his warp, like all the stuff that even tries to take into account. Uh, defense and total impact on the court. Donna's numbers are terrible. Well, that's because of the yeah. I mean, you step back. Well, no, they're not terrible. I mean, he's one of the best as far as stealing the ball, which is a stat that I know is not quote unquote advanced, but something I like. He's top five. If he would have played six more games, he would have been top five in the league, qualified for that. And you know, he's he's a very good perimeter defender, and the team sucked around him and and uh, defensively and. There's a lot of reasons why he had a rough year. He fell on his face. Fine. There's plenty of reasons. I'm just saying you can't convince me that the cast is way better than what Cleveland has without LeBron. Okay. If they're better, it's only a little bit. Now, they might improve to be much better because everyone's very young. They're, they're adding that the number part of their career pick. upside that they could get better. But that's where, that's where I'm saying your time horizon is a few years from now. So let's just say that the seventh pick is, is whoever you get. Just say they're, they become a really good player. Okay. You know, say they become an all-star, low-rung all-star caliber player. But it's going to take them three years to get to that point. It's going to take, take Lowry three, two more years uh, to get to that point. And then you've got, you've got Dunn and Levine say these guys become good players, but it takes them another year or two uh, to get to that point. You know, like your team is going to be peaking in like three years when you know, LeBron is really coming down, and there's really no guarantee you're going to have this like, super top-notch talent. I just don't think you have enough to win with LeBron, particularly against the Warriors as they're constructed now. But you take Clay Thompson off the Warriors, and now all of a sudden, you know, you're like one injury away from one of their main guys from really being able to defeat them. They won't have any room to add anyone to replace Thompson's impact, and that that team will be much, much weaker. So the target is also much less uh, by taking Thompson. So. I don't know. That, that's my final answer. I get why you take LeBron. He's the second best player in the history of the NBA. It's hard to go against that. Uh, you know, I, it, uh, it all makes sense. I mean, I get what you're saying completely. It makes sense. I just, I, I just wouldn't go in that direction, not because of LeBron's greatness or Clay Thompson's greatness, but just because of the way everything would line up. Okay, fair enough. Forty-six percent took LeBron. Thirty-five percent, a significant percentage, chose Clay Thompson. And these are you know three hundred votes, so it's a significant percentage yeah, of votes. Yeah, that's decent number of people voting. Yeah. So then, and then it was this is what surprised me the most: Jimmy Butler at ten percent and Paul George at nine. That's got to be like Homer votes for Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, I don't know why you would take Jimmy Butler over Paul George. Like, really, even just comparing those two guys, I can't imagine taking either of them above the other two options. Uh, so I agree. I, well, I, if you look at Paul George, Paul George shot 40% from three last year. He's, you know, arguably just as good, if not better, defensively. He made an NBA all, uh, so did Jimmy. But, I, I mean, they're really close. I understand it. But he's also, you know, Paul George is a year younger. It's almost like a full year younger. So, yeah, yeah I think you're right. Tear meniscus, so you got that going for you, too. Right, uh, right. Yeah, and Paul George, I understand, is not without an injury history either. But I, I agree with you. I like... If I think of players that the Bulls could immediately improve to contender status by adding, Paul George is one that comes to mind. Because I think he fits in exactly what this team needs. Three-point shooting, 
a guy who can play excellent perimeter defense and, and, and switch on anyone. And, you know, a guy who's, gonna, who's got a history of playing in, in, in big games. What did you think if the Bulls signed? Well, let, let's, let's ask, let me ask you that question. Paul George gives indications, hey, I'd be willing to sign in Chicago for a max deal. Would you do it? Obviously. No okay. doubt. It's a no-brainer. Oh, good. Well, yeah. And if he did sign, considering they're getting the draft pick, what would you how, – how would that team become a contender next next year, or is there, are they still probably two years away? I don't think they're a contender. I mean, they'd be in the top couple teams in the East, depending on what happens with LeBron. You know, they'd, it'd be Boston, wherever LeBron goes, and the Bulls, I think, would be, you know, there as the top teams in the East. Okay. So, you know, they, they'd have a chance to come out of it, depending on I mean, where LeBron goes. If he goes to Philly, they'd obviously have a ton of talent, but I do kind of wonder how his fit in Philly would work out. Okay. And yep. I still have a lot of questions whether Embiid can stay healthy. I mean, everyone is, is just calling this guy the next greatest superstar, and he's an amazing player. But he's still only played in like 25% of his total possible games in the NBA. And for most of this season, they, they wouldn't play him in back-to-back games. You know, so there's still like a lot of risk there, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly great player on the court, but there's a lot of risk there. So, Agreed. You know, Philly, yeah. Philly, even if LeBron goes there, you know, they're, they're like an injury away with, you know, their two main star players both have had, you know, significant serious injury problems in their career. Uh, and you'd only be an injury away from – from that team kind of uh, falling back apart. So, you know, that, that, that team has tremendous upside, but you, know, you could you could see easily how it could come crashing down for them easily, too. I agree 100%. You made a good point on Embiid, too. Another thing that people aren't talking about Embiid is, you know, a lot of the benefits of having these young guys is having them on these rookie deals. And he just wasted away all those years, for the most part, being injured. He's making a max deal basically almost next year. You know, well, like, he, he, they actually got a much better deal on him though. But because of all the injuries and because he hadn't proven himself, he's signed actually below the seven-year max, which is way below the LeBron max. So he's actually on a tremendous value contract. So while that that did maybe hurt what they could have done salary-wise for him if they had him on a, a very cheap deal. The deal he ultimately signed due to the injuries is actually now a tremendous value proposition for them if he stays healthy. So uh, I think that did work out okay for Philly. Okay. Uh, out of the teams that LeBron would go to, there's one more question about LeBron before we move on to the beloved. So you got you got Houston. I know you said this before, and I kind of agree with you. Looking at the Houston situation right now, you know how how do you make that happen for him to go there? But let's just look, assume that you know somebody is willing to take on a couple bad deals for assets, you know, for the next eight years, right? Uh, is that the team you think if you dropped him on, you'd say that's the most likely team to to beat Golden State? Well, I mean, if if you had a bet, where is he going to be? Give me your top three for next year outside of well, Korea. I think Philly would be number one. I think Houston would be number one if there was a feasible way for them to do it. I just don't see what that feasible way is. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they're still number two out of some crazy back thing I can't even envision now happen. Uh, and then I'm gonna say the Lakers are number three uh, only because they actually have the ability to get so much cap room they might be able to sign three stars if they did everything correctly. And, you know, they might be able to pull off like a Miami 
style situation. And uh, I think that makes them a dark horse in this. Uh, you would you would need a very coordinated effort with everyone. And unlike Miami, they don't have one guy there already who would like definitely stay. But I, I think they have they have some potential too. Yeah, and they have some great young talent. I mean, Ingram. I think Ingram quietly had a much improved year. You know, and, and Ball's clearly talented. Who, who knows how good he's going to be? But that is a good point. I mean, so they can absolutely sign two guys to max deals, right? The other yeah, they, they do a little bit. I mean, it's they, they have some work to do. How bad does that Luol Deng signing look right now? I know. Because that's, that's the piece that has them totally screwed. Yeah. You know, like, if they could if they could get out of that signing, uh, they, would, they would be in such great shape. And so they might stretch Deng and, like, wave and stretch him, and that'll save them, you know, a good chunk of the money. But, boy, if they could they're, – they're even talking about, like, if they sign him to an extension and then – then wave him after the extension so they can spread it out over more years. <laughs> oh my kind of yeah. like that. Are you kidding? Like save an extra couple I... million dollars. Like that's actually a, a cap theory that, that might go down that way. You know, and I found that you just kind of wonder like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, but it, that, that move killed them so much, so much. They'd be, they'd be in great shape if it weren't for that signing. All right. So speaking of the Lakers, we're gonna, this is going to kind of segue into the beloved bowl. Uh, I was on with Waddle and Sylvie this week, and Waddle was coming out, had a point, or excuse me, with Sylvie, saying, uh, hey, I want to hear of a potential free agent that the Bulls could get that you buy low on, who you could build up as, instead of paying, you know, like a max deal for. And, and you know, I think uh, I, I, one guy came to mind, and tell me what you think. 3 and D guy, plays excellent defense, 38% three-point shooter. Uh, on the Lakers this year, unrestricted free agent, and he's 25 years old, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. What's your take? Do you like the kid, uh, and would you sign him for the beloved? I, I, I certainly think he would be a guy who could be a buy-low deal. There's not a lot of money out there. Uh, he's a guy who probably worth more in a different set of circumstances than what he'll likely sign for. So I do think that's a good value signing. Uh, I don't know that I would sign him. You know, you're... Your problem now is every signing you make takes away your cap room from 2019. And so you have to think, like, if you draft a guy this year at seven, you know, who becomes a a likely star player, and Lowry makes, you know, some some really good steps, and we'll just say in the ultimate upside scenario that Dunn and Levine also play well, and because you and I are are both the rose-colored glass optimists, uh, the Bulls win 45 games this year, and they go into the offseason with max salary space, you're going to be a player for Clay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard. Now, Thompson's recently kind of come out and said, like, I'm going to stay with the Warriors even at a massive discount. So that might pull him off the table. It might change uh, what I would do. But yeah. I would be awfully nervous if I signed uh, Pope this season, and then that took me out of the running for the max guys next year when my team will be a much better destination. And I don't think you need to add lots of good players to this team or average to good players to this team or good niche players to this team right now. You still need to figure out how to get star talent on this team. And it's unlikely that Lowry, to me, is going to be a big enough star to be a guy who leads you to a title as the number one option. It's unlikely that whomever they draft at number seven is going to be a big enough star to lead you to a title as the number one option. And so, you know, until you have that kind of player – you really don't want to be clogging up 
your cap with guys who are the people you surround that player with. Uh, it, it, especially if it then limits your ability to bring that player on board. So I wouldn't hate the signing because I think it'd probably be a good deal and probably be a smart thing to do. Uh, but it's one I'd probably hold off in the hopes of, of parlaying my cap space into something bigger in the following year. Okay, so uh, next question, which you've kind of, par- again, parlays into this. Are you one of the guys out there, so the Bulls are going to have a significant amount of cap space if they don't sign anybody. It's just going to go unused. Would you prefer that they pull like what the Sixers did with J.J. Redick and almost kind of, I think, overpay for one year and then still yeah. have all that freedom for next year? But when, in doing so, don't you make the team you know, better and then therefore potentially hurt your draft position for next season? Uh, it's really kind of down to the interesting question. Are you worried about your draft position next season? Do you think your team is good enough that you're going to be in the lottery and potentially deep in the lottery? Because if you don't uh, think your team is good enough to make the playoffs and, and you do think you're going to be so bad that you're in the lottery – then such a move is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. If you think your team is going to be a 40-plus win team, then yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely do something like that. Now, the counter-argument I would have to that, and this is probably the stance I would take, and I would hope the Bulls take, is I'm not actually looking to sign a dude to help me this year. I'm looking to take on bad salary for a year uh, and to collect as many future draft assets as I can. You know, I, I'd rather take the, the Fareed deal, you know, where you, you get Kenneth Fareed, and you move up from 22 to 14, and you eat like his 14 million in salary. You know, to me, that's a better use of that cap space than signing, you know, someone who, who's maybe a 15 million dollar player to a 20 million dollar deal, uh, or say a 10 million dollar player to a 20 million dollar one year deal. You know, just to get a guy in here for a season, uh, I'd rather use that money to try and secure some some draft assets. So the free this Freed's contract end in 2019. So he's, he's got one more year left on the deal? Does yeah, he... it, it just gets – it's a common one floating around Twitter. It gets the uh, the Denver Nuggets out of the luxury tax, and so they have a you know, pretty heavy incentive to, to avoid that, especially when you start looking at repeater tax and things like that. You know, you don't want to barely be in the tax, and then now you come closer to triggering a repeater threshold for yourself, you know, later on down the line if you can avoid it. And from their perspective, moving from 14 to 22, like, yeah, maybe that's a drop, but is that a drop that's worth, uh, say, I don't know, what it would end up being, maybe, maybe $18, $20 million, something like that for them? You know, yeah. I, I think that's a good amount of money for them to save uh, with this, this drop, and they'll probably still be a good player at 22. So, you know, to me, that, that's a better move with the Bulls gap space than, than doing a Reddick-like deal. So you think is that a, a likely or potential deal that's out there? I know I've heard a little bit of it that the Bulls could trade fourteen, uh, move up from twenty-two to fourteen, uh, and take on Fareed for a year. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I said, it's an idea fans have come up with. It's something that logically makes sense. Yeah, uh, the team's going to do it. Who knows? You know, but I think there'll be other there'll be other deals like that too. You know, there'll be other deals where you can take on someone's. Uh, salary and get like you know maybe a pick in the twenties, you know to take on like six, seven, eight million, ten million in salary. You know, say you just take on you know for each straight up, and they give you next year's draft pick. You know, top fifteen protected, and then you know you don't move up this year. Yeah, you know, to me that's still a good deal. So you know it, there'd be other there'd be chances for things like that. Maybe it's not Denver, maybe it's someone else. 
But there will be chances where you take on someone's garbage and they give you a pick, and it's not going to be a great pick, but you get a pick for it. And I, I think those are the kinds of deals I would look for with with what the Bulls have in room rather than looking for, you know, deals where you're, you're trying to bring on someone for just a season to help this season. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I, I thought what the Sixers did last year, I, I'm kind of I, I would kind of counter that. Like I kind of I'm a little bit different in that I think there is value in getting our young guys, and I, I differ with you in that I think we do have what it takes to win a title already here right now. If these guys can max out and 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 achieve, you know, kind of re, max out on their ceiling, and so in doing so, I think it's very important to make the playoffs and to do as well as you can. And adding, like, say, Catavius Caldwell Pope for a one-year deal for $22 million is not a bad thing because that will make you significantly better. He's a guy that can just bring right in that wing rotation that's so important in today's NBA, and you're a better team. You know, and you, make, you bring Holiday to the bench and have him start at the three. Uh, K, you know, Pope start at the three. But I guess the big question is, you know, where do you feel this team is at? And obviously I'm a little bit more bullish than most people. But I think if we had to, you know, uh, put a vote to the fan base, I think the vast majority would probably be more in agreement with you that you would prefer maybe one more year where they get a high pick. Well, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think if you did that one deal, you know, you're probably going to get a guy who had, say, two or three wins. Like, I just don't think like, the movement is enough to justify giving up potential future draft picks. If this Golden State Warriors team stays together, you probably have three to four more years before you realistically have a chance to win anyway. Mm. Like they, they clearly don't have enough talent, even if everyone maxes out to beat the Warriors as they are put together now. Like no matter what happens. So if you view it that way, you know, to me, I'd almost be a fan of trying to trade Dunn and Levine and, and try and double down on getting more draft assets later. The only thing about that is I don't think you'd really get much in return for either guy. So uh, you might as well roll with them and hope that they improve because I don't think anyone else has given you, you know, major, major draft assets. You're not going to get top ten picks for those guys. So well, at the point where you're getting Levine. like a fifteenth yeah. uh, selection, it's maybe not so worth it. Definitely, definitely not Levine. You think Levine is moving? I, this free agency situation with him is is so interesting to me. I mean, you feel he's going to be. I, I kind of I I don't know if you're getting this sense too, but the more I'm reading, the more I, I'm feeling this out. I have a bad feeling that this is going to end up with him taking the one year, and 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 you know taking it from there. You know what I'm saying? Taking the well, one year qualifying offer. You know, it could happen. It could happen. He's clearly not going to be happy with whatever the Bulls offer is. But I'll the the best way I think about Levine in my head is uh, let's just say that and we have cap room, so we could do this. How much would you offer Jabari Parker? Right now, like, would you say this is a guy with huge upside who could no. be a big part of our core? Zach Levine is our Jabari Parker. We're just hopeful. Like, there's no reason to think that Zach Levine is going to be better than Jabari Parker. There, there really just isn't. But we're just hopeful, you know, for, for because he's ours. So we're like emotionally committed in some way yeah. because it was the main piece we got back from Jimmy Butler. But as soon as you take one of these dudes who's in a similar situation, got injured, came back, didn't play well, uh, I mean, and played really, really bad. Levine played really terribly. And we're, like, looking at things like, well, but he looks good on the court and his release is good, and like, but none of the shots went in. But that will come back. You know, like you start, like, making up these types of excuses, and, you know, you're just, you're just selling hope. 
I mean, you're selling hope. So, you know, I, I get why people can be hopeful on Levine, but I get why someone else might say, hey, Jabari Parker's a really good player, and if, if things hit right for him, he can also be really good. And I don't bring this up to say if you like Zach Levine, it's hopeless and he's going to be terrible, but I bring it up to say that, you know, there's a good chance he won't be so great. Uh, you know, there's a really good chance. And you just have to hope for the best with him on that contract. You don't want to pay him, though, a huge amount of money. You know, you don't want to lock in this guy at like $100 million. So you're going to play a little bit more conservatively. And, and to your point, it's not going to be that surprising if Levine says, whoa, hold the phone. I'm, I, I don't want to lock in at this price. I'm going to be better than this. Also would not be surprising if he takes that bet and it works out fabulously horrible for him. And, and he completely destroys all his value. You know, so Levine's got to be aware of that too, but you know, it, it, it's a tough situation. It is. And it is negotiations with guys who, like, if things go their way, they're worth the max, and if things don't go their way, they're worth, like, you know, $8 million. Those are always the worst negotiations to be in uh, because there's no real happy medium for everyone. The player looks at the upside, the team looks at the downside, and it's really hard to meet in the middle. Yeah. And what would you say, I mean, you're the GM, what would you sign him for? Be comfortable signing I, him for. I'm not going over $15 million a year. No, I agree. And I think that number's I, coming down, Doug. I really do. I think this, I think more and more people are going to be shocked at how low these salaries, some of these values are going to be. And I, I just keep on pointing to Lou Williams and $8 million a year. And Lou Williams had a fantastic season. I understand he's 31, right? That's a big part of it. But he was absolutely fantastic. He, he should have been an all-star. He signed for $8 million a year. And, you know, there's the same type of variables with Levine. Hey, he's yeah, he's younger, sure, but he was terrible last year. He didn't have Lou Williams' season. You know, it's like, I, I don't think you can expect, if you're Levine's camp, to make much more than that. Well, $8 million is really low. I mean, that's the mid-level exception. Yeah. It's going to get more than that. No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah. I mean, and, and part of it is the age, and part of it is that... You know, Lou Williams probably didn't sign the best deal, you know. So, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a comparable situation. I, I don't, I'm don't. i sure every team is going to try and use Lou Williams' deal to justify their low price tag to everyone else. Uh, but if it comes down to, to levels at that, you know, Levine will clearly take the call from the offer. I am warming up to the idea that the Bulls sign a one-and-one, -one similar like uh, with the deal they made with Miritich. I think something like that is more likely – than the qualifying offer, where they sign him to a, a two-year deal with the second year being a team option at, like, say, $15 million a year. Mm -hmm. And then now if Levine busts out, he's amazing. You know, the Bulls get him for another year at $15 million, which is really cheap, and Levine isn't locked in for a super long period of time, uh, you know, for two years, and then he can go get his max money after that. And then the two-year total that he gets will still be similar to a two-year if he signs for the qualifying offer and in time for a max deal afterwards uh, because he will have taken such a low amount this year. Yeah. So it, it's a deal, something like that ultimately is, is where the bridge can be made between the two where, you know, the Bulls aren't taking a big financial risk. Zach is still betting on himself heavily uh, but is, is not going to lose more money and will guarantee him more in the short run if things go bad. So I, I think that's probably, if things don't work out in the long-term perspective, I expect a deal uh, more of that framework to materialize. Decision probably going to go down, would you estimate? Do you think Zach's going to be closer to the beginning of the year, or do you think that's going to go down to you know near October? 
I, it'll go down, I think, to the deadline for the, the qualifying offer. I, I don't I don't expect that to get done. Unless one side is just uh, really moves a lot towards where the other side is. We don't really know where the sides are now. Our presumption is that they're probably going to be far apart. We don't really know. You know, maybe the Bulls just come in at $18 million and, and it's pretty much yeah. a done deal. You know, or or maybe Zach is like, oh, yep, yep, I'll sign for, you know, 14, and, and it's a done deal. So, you know, we, we expect there to be a pretty big gap uh, based on what appears to be, you know, a, a large difference in how each side views the, the potential goings wrong of a deal. Uh, we would expect there to be a large gap, but it may be that one side is more reasonable than we expect. All right, my brother. We're already over 30 minutes here. Um, brief episode today. After the next one, let's start getting in some of these prospects and really get a deep dive in some of these players. Um, to wrap this baby up, I had one final question for you uh, on Mo Bamba. There's a lot of talk about him moving up in the draft, a lot of love given to this guy. I know we've kind of talked to him at ad nauseum. Has there been anything that you've seen in the interim since our last conversation that has changed your opinion on him, or are you still pretty much where you were in the last cast? Uh, you know, there's just been lots more publicity about him, and I, I think it really comes down to the guy is extremely, extremely intelligent, an extremely bright guy, yes. and so I think all the reporters fall in love with him when they talk with him, you know, compared to maybe some of the other prospects. He's, he's more interesting to talk to. He's a better interview. Uh, you know, just people like intelligent guys, and so I think... I think that is like appealing for GMs and it's appealing for the press. And so I think there's a lot of people falling in love with him. From his game perspective, I don't, you know, I don't think anything's changed. I guess he's seeing the shot doctor. I don't know if you followed all of that yes. stuff. And I don't know if the guy's actually called the shot doctor, whatever. The guy who fixed Jason Tatum's shot and, you know, is, now is working with Fultz and all these guys and is, you know, incredible and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he said, oh, my shot is so smooth now and all this other stuff. I just, I kind of just don't think anything of that because, Every year, every player talks about how they've been taking five trillion jump shots and the range is better. And you know, it's just the same stuff every offseason. So, uh, yeah, maybe he's better. I, I don't know, but I haven't seen him worked out. So, why, why would I think anything different except from what I could see of his college highlights? You know, I, I have no reason to, for my opinion to change. Now, if he went into a Bulls workout and knocked down ninety percent of his threes and hit like ninety out of a hundred, then yeah, <laughs> they, they sure as heck want the guy, right? So uh, the teams that are seeing him, you know, they have a view based on what they're seeing, and their views may change. But, you know, from my end, I, I still kind of think, you know, limited off, uh, offense, uh, some risk there, great physical body. You know, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice on that he'll, he'll develop offensively, and if he does, he could, he could really be tremendous. And if he doesn't, he'll still probably be a tremendous defender. You know, I don't think he's a, a super low downside pick. I think your worst-case scenario, he's, He's a guy who can probably still anchor your defense. So, you know, I, I get why people are enamored with him. I know you hate him, and you won't have to worry about it. He's not going to be there for the Bulls, and the Bulls aren't going to trade up. So it's not a conversation for Bulls fans to worry about. Okay. Yeah, I guess that you're, pro- you're probably right. Hopefully it won't, be, it won't be a decision that we'll have to make. And, uh, you know, we'll choose from other players because I think it's a very difficult one for whatever team takes him. But, you know, I don't want to be right on this. I hope, he, I hope I'm wrong. He seems like a great kid. But I think you hit on it. I think people have fallen in love with his intelligence, and you know he's really good in front of the camera. And but I mean, like people keep on sending these videos of him like hitting six straight. I, I I've seen you hit six straight, Doug, from three point line. I've I, there's people saying, I know. I just, and if I had uh, you know a seven foot uh, 
seven foot nine uh, wingspan or whatever it is, then I'd probably be in the NBA too. <laughs> you no, know, but my point of the matter is, <laughs> showing a, a guy hit open jumpers in an empty gym is not. I'm not going to be impressed by that. You know, it's like. I saw Jimmy Butler hit 14 three-pointers in a game before Memphis, uh, before he played Memphis in a pregame warm-up. 14 in a row. You know, Jimmy Butler was about a 30%, 30, 33%. When the game's on and there's people out there and, you know, contesting shots, it's a lot different ball game, you know. So, uh, Completely they, agree. I saw Ben Wallace drill a ton of threes in a row in his Bulls years so, in warm-ups. So there I also like the guy couldn't even hit a free throw, and he still hit like six, seven threes in a row once <laughs> there I was there. So, I know, you know, it, it, it happens. I don't, I, I agree. I don't take much of whatever these videos show right now, but you know, I, and I don't particularly root for him. I don't care. Like I'm, like I care more about Mo Bamba than DeAndre Ayton. Like I don't know any of these guys. So yeah, it's great. And in the general, I hope everyone has good vibes. Thing, sure, I hope Mo Bamba does well, but. You know, I'm going to root for whoever the Bulls draft. After that, I, I really don't care what happens to any of those people. Amen. You know, I, was, I was rooting for the 76ers to keep Brian Colangelo just so their team would fall apart. You know, everyone's like, oh, great, they got rid of him. I'm like, ah, I wish he stayed. Oh, well, it would have just been great. LeBron wouldn't have gone there for sure yeah. then. You know, so. That's one more topic, though, I did to wrap it up. I did want to, I, I did want to touch on this. I, I kind of felt bad for the guy. I really felt like when when, Ow. when, when Ow, you found you out it was his wife well, when you found out it was his wife, Doug. I mean, like you don't talk about work with with your wife. You don't, dude. He completely knew what was going on, completely. So I don't know how closely you follow this, but a couple of things that are the complete damning facts. Within two hours of them telling Brian Colangelo that, like, hey, this account is linked to this account, all the accounts were shut down. So if his wife was doing it, he was aware of it. Because within two hours, all the accounts were dead. Like, if he had no idea what was going on, it's not like it would have been like, oh, hey, honey, are you running five Twitter accounts? Like, no. that wouldn't be the first thing you would come up with. Two, she has an iPhone, and they showed the tweets were coming from an Android. So you already know that she wasn't doing all the tweeting. I mean, he clearly knew what was going on. And, you know, whether it was his dad, whether it was him, whether it was his son, like, whatever her, I mean, clearly... It was it was not just his wife, and clearly he had knowledge. Well, I, I think a lot of it was his wife. I, from what I've read and heard, and what the Sixers have said, she was the source of most of those tweets. And, yeah, that happens. People talk about their jobs, especially uh, someone who's a sure. wife. But proven that's not true. Proven that's not true, because they showed the tweets coming from an Android, which her wife, his wife does not have. How do you tell them? She has an iPhone. Because it shows, if you look at the Twitter, there's a, there's a Facebook error post about it. It shows tweeted like from Android, like and like the the tagline or whatever. Hmm. So it clearly was not just his wife. And the fact that they were shut down immediately means if it was his wife, he knew his wife was doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, and I'm probably tacitly pro- endorsing it. Well, he probably so either way. I, and, and this dude, he got his whole job through nepotism. Like he never earned anything, and he was running the franchise into the ground. So no, I don't feel he bad. He wasn't for running Colangelo. it into the I wish ground. Him he wasn't running he was it into terrible. the ground. What did, how did he run it into the ground? What did he do he that was traded, so awful? He traded number three to get to get uh, Markel Fultz, who looks like a huge bust, pick to do it. He still drafted Simmons. He still you know signed oh, JJ wow. Redick. He drafted Simmons like the most obvious draft pick <laughs> ever. It's like giving the Bulls credit for drafting Derrick Rose. Actually, the Bulls deserve a little more credit for a drafting Derrick Rose, only because. Michael Beasley was actually something many people thought was a good pick. There was, like, 
No one else in that draft besides Simmons. No one else. He was such a consensus number one. A blind monkey would have picked Simmons. That you get no, no credit agree. for that. I, I, None. I, I agree. I agree. But I thought some of the pickups that he did uh, in, in the market this year. JJ Redick was a nice signing. Some of the players he did. I understand. I, I'm not trying to say, hey, this guy's the greatest. But um, I do. The <laughs> I, well, you made a lot of good points. Was just a train wreck pick. That was a terrible. Uh, a terrible, terrible decision. A lot and of people trading, love Fultz, so he wasn't the only Noel, guy. And not trailing, o- trading Okafor earlier when those guys had a little more value and hanging on to them. I don't know. I, if, either way, I, whether you think Colangelo is a good GM or not, clearly still got his job completely through nepotism through his dad. Got forced onto the team by you know the NBA. I, I, I don't know. I, there's no part of me that feels sympathy. I'll just leave it at that. All right. No part. Fair enough. Fair enough. Android iPhone is a, is a pretty good one. I ha, I, I hadn't seen that, so um, I will give you that. But I do also feel that I do know, you know, a wife who's trying to defend her husband. It's hard to control somebody yeah. like that. And that's if he really didn't know, then I would feel some sympathy. There you go. It's just I don't believe that at all. So in that sense of what your point's trying to get out, completely valid. I talked to my wife about work. If she went off and did a bunch of stuff, and I had no idea, you know, I would feel like. Like what the hell? So if that was actually the story, I would I would have some sympathy for him. It's just that the facts don't align in such a way that I can possibly believe that that's true. Good one, Doug. You did a good, a very good argument there, and you kind of turned me around on it somewhat. Somewhat. I still feel <laughs> All for right. it. Yes. All right. On that note, we're going to pull the big red bus in and, and, and uh, sideline it. Let's get the info out for the draft party again. Uh, are we filled? Are we 100% there? No more info out? Or what's the story? Uh, you know, I don't know. We, I keep thinking, like, ah, what the heck? If a couple more people want to go, squeeze them in. You know, so if someone wants to make it, I'm sure we can maybe squeeze one or two more guys in. I think, I think we're at, uh, you know, right around the, the fill mark. But, you know, probably some people will cancel at the last second. Decide, wow, I'm just going to go meet a stranger on the internet that I heard in a podcast and go to their house. That's weird. I'm not going to show up. You know, that kind of thing tends to happen with some frequency at uh, these types of events. So if you want to go, we'll make it work. Sounds good, brother. It sounds good. So, yeah, if anybody's interested, email us, chicagobullseye at gmail.com or on Twitter. You can find Doug underscore Tonus. It's T H O N U S. Um, or you can always reach out to me at, at CBE Fred. Uh, search for C Red Fred. You'll find it. Until next time, and we will have a show next weekend as we get closer, a little bit more in depth with some of these prospects. I want to focus a little bit more on 22. I'll throw a couple names for you this week, and uh, we'll do some film work on it. And uh, until next time, all the best to you, my friend, and look forward to the next uh, exciting uh, The Big Red Boss. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, brother. Have a good one, my man. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of D.C. that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia, L-I-V by Advantia.